Well, hello, everybody. Here at the Legacy Campus, as well as if you're at another one of our locations or online right now, really glad you're with us. And I am going to jump into our series, Mind Games, but before I do, a couple of things. One is uh, your campus host just said something about, at least they're supposed to, about getting in a group. And we're starting groups right now. And as much as life change can happen in rows, like we're sitting in now, or at, on your living room if you're at home, even more so in circles uh, with other people who want to follow Jesus and help each other do that. And so if you're feeling, yeah, I should do that, do it. Get in a group. And that's really what makes a lot of things in the Christian life click. Another thing, before we jump into the series or the sermon today, is about Maui and all that's happening. I mean, we know about the fires and all the tragedy that's there. And we want to be helpful as a church. And so just letting you know, uh, we are... Uh, through, we, we love to, to bless people in need through local churches in that local area because then that builds a connection point physically, physical help, but also spiritual help too. And, and people can come to know Jesus. And so we, uh, we're going to be, uh, we're partnering with a couple of churches there on the island to uh, just love people well and helping resource them do that. So uh, we're going to send that out this week. And if you want to participate in that, you can just give to the global fund. So when you look online or on the app and there's a different kinds of giving funds there, uh, the lo- it'll be, that'll, that's the one that will come out of global fund. Uh, if you want to write check, you can put Maui. If you want to go to Maui, then just go to Maui, but that doesn't count. So just, okay, just, um, so today... Uh, we're continuing mind games, which is all about getting our thinking right. Because if you can get your, the only way to get your life right is to get your thinking right. If your thinking is skewed, your life is going to be skewed. That's why we saw last week the verse that we focused on, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And our mind needs to be renewed and transformation really starts right here. It starts, so if you want to change your life, change your thinking And what we're hoping is over time, as God renews our mind, he will give us the mind of Christ, as Paul talks about increasingly, to think like Jesus. Uh, And today we're focusing that on how you and I think about you and I, you and me, how we think about ourselves, our self-perception. Because how you think about yourself matters. Because you will live into that. It'll It'll affect the kind of life that you live into. And as, as good as it is to care about maybe how you think about yourself or how other people think about you, it is way more important what God thinks about you. And you can, you know, we love to label people and, and all of that. And that's why when you came in, you should have gotten a little name tag. Did you get one of these? And I'll, I'll, we're going to do something with it toward the end. And so just hang on to that. But a, a a name tag is basically a people label, a human label, right? And we put people labels on all the time, right? We uh, think, oh, that person's like that or that person. And you've been labeled by other people. We label ourselves. In fact, just to play with that a little bit, I'm going to give some really prominent names. And, and these are people who are like, have a, have a the, like the rock, you know, that they have like their name and then the something. I'm going to say the name and then you say what kind of the label? Okay, so here we go. We can do this. Jack the Jack the Ripper, right? Or the executive pastor of Chase Oaks, whichever way you want to say. Uh, Billy the Attila the That's what his wife called him. Um, Buffy the 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Dora the... A Chance the... Very good. Winnie the... And poor Winnie. How did, what did he do to deserve that? You know, to, to have to be called, go through your whole life, and your, and your big thing is the poo. I, I don't know. Uh, that would be tough. But we all have labels, right? Those labels define them. We have labels, whether we really think about it or not. I want you to think about it. Over, you know, in our lifetime, just labels tend to stick to us. What people say about us, what people say to us, things about ourselves. And I want you to begin to think about some of the ways you think about yourself, some of the labels that maybe other people have given you over the years that kind of stick. And I'm especially thinking about negative labels. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some examples and all that in a little bit. But first, just to get us thinking, I'll share what I thought of. So as I thought about this through my life, what are some of those labels? And the first one that came up was the label Goofy. And the reason is, is because when I was in, when I first came to know Jesus and I was, I, I jumped in with both feet and I was a junior higher. Um, but at the same time, I, I kind of got the label being kind of the goofy one, fun, loving, goofy. And, and that it, more so than I even was. So like I was actually more serious than my label, but I played to my label. So I was the goofy guy. Right, which is easy to do in junior higher as a junior higher anyway, but that's who I was. So, and I remember one time being in my youth pastor's office. He wasn't there, and I was snooping on his desk, and I saw this sheet of paper that had my name on it, a bunch of names, and he had put like all these, all of us, like a bunch of kids, and this was for small group leaders, and he put he had our names, and then he had a description. So I saw my name, and the description said loads of potential. But goofy and scattered. Now, I, I didn't, the, the loads of potential didn't sink in. The goofy and scattered sunk in. It was like, oh. You know, that was kind of my label for a while. Now I'll come back to that. But what about you? What would you put next to your name? What have other people put next to your name? I mean, maybe somewhere along the line, you got the label of lazy. Or maybe of the one who works too hard. Maybe irresponsible. Or overly responsible. Hot-headed. Pushover. Pushy. Alone. Unqualified. Disqualified. Unwanted. Not enough. The mean one. Not a leader. Control freak. Failure. Stingy. Smart but awkward. Not so smart. You get the idea. Um, I remember talking, this was a couple of years ago, talking with a young adult who had been labeled the party guy. You know, he was the guy that it was the life of the party, and man, he'd do anything. And he's like, you know, so everywhere he went, everybody's like, oh, you know, here he comes. And he's like, man, that's not even who I am. Like, I mean, I can be that, but that's really not who I am. Like, I'm actually, I've got depth. But nobody knows that because I'm the party guy. I don't really want to be the party guy anymore. I don't know what label has been attached to you, but what I do know is that what Jesus wants to do is really profound. 
He wants to give us a new label. That gets me back to my goofy story. So, you know, I'm in junior high. I, you know, play into that label. And as I was transitioning from junior high to high school, there was a college student named, now I've, I've shared this story over the years a couple of times because it was so seminal in my life. A guy named Todd Tolls, who was a college student who worked with youth ministry. And by the way, if you're a young adult and looking for where to serve, that's a great where to serve. And he took an interest in my life and, and began to help me know what it means to love Jesus and know him and all that. And, and, and one night he took me, he wanted to take me out to dinner. It's like, okay. So we went out to dinner and he hands me a letter. I wish I still had the letter. It got burned in an office fire about 25 years ago. Somebody got a little bit upset and burned down our offices. Okay, so that, if you, by the way, if you get upset, just talk to us. We can work it out, right? You don't have to burn down anything. But anyway, that happened. So I lost it. But what he said in the letter, and he wanted me to read it and then talk about it. And so what he said was, this was part of it. He said, Jeff, when I look at you, I see a lion cub. Playful, fun, loving, fun to be around. But when I really look at you, I see the lion that you're destined to be. I see a a person who's a leader with insight and strength. I see someone who's going to make a huge difference in this world. And if you're up for it, I want to help the lion cub become the lion. Man, as an eighth grader, going into ninth grade, it was like, oh, I didn't see myself like that, but he did. And I began to live into that new label. I began to learn to develop, I began to develop and grow and, and lead and teach and do the things that God had gifted me to do. It's a new label. And today, my prayer, my hope is that all of us would hear God give us a new label. Because what he wants to do in our life is so profound. And the way we think about ourselves matters. And if we could think about ourselves the way God sees us, that would make a huge difference. Second Corinthians 5.17 is a passage we've looked at in this series that says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Meaning those old labels that have been stuck to you are just that, old labels. It's not who you are. Maybe it's who you were, but it's not who you are. It's not who you're becoming. The old is gone. The new has come. He is making a new you. Isaiah 62, 3, God is talking to his people in the Old Testament. And they have a lot of not so great labels. They were not at a good place. And God makes a prophecy and a promise that ultimately is fulfilled in Jesus. And so what he says to them all those years ago, 3,000 years ago, He would say the same thing to you and me because this happens when we begin a relationship with Jesus. God said, and you will be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. You'll be given a new name. He's like, I don't know what your name is or what you've been named before, but I want to give you a new name from my own mouth. And a name in the Bible is a lot bigger deal than for us. Like, you know, for us, a name is just something you call somebody that you stick on a name tag. It's convenient. You know, like if you want to, Get my attention. It's easier, more specific to say Jeff than to say, hey, buddy, unless you forget my name. Then, hey, pal, hey, buddy, or hey, pastor, hey, dummy, whatever you want to call me, you can call me. But Jeff will probably get my attention most, right? That's, but in the Bible, a name is a lot more significant than that. 
In the Bible, often a name, and, and we're going to see passages where God gave people new names. It, it's, about a, it's about a new identity. It's about a new purpose. It's about a new future. And God loves you. He knows you. He's thought about you. And what we're going to see is how God wants to give you a new name from his own mouth. And to see ourselves with a label that he labels us as. And the way we're going to do that is not just by looking. Originally, I was just going to look at one passage where God changed his name and go deep. But I don't think that's as powerful as I looked at it. We're going to do a survey of different times where God changed people's names. To understand how he wants to do that for you and me. And as you listen, I want you to ask God, God, what, what is my label? What, what, do you, what would you call me? But also... I want you to think about other people in your life. Because what if you could be a Todd to somebody else? To your children? To your grandchildren? To a friend? To your spouse? To a coworker? To somebody in your life group or some other kind of small group? So let's start the survey. It starts all the way back. First book of the Bible, book of Genesis. There's two people, a married couple. Abraham, or excuse me, Abram and Sarai. Abram means exalted father. Sarai means princess. That's a good name, right? Um, some of you are like, yeah, I'm a princess, you know, so, and that's good. Okay, so Abraham, or Abram and Sarai. And God, these, this is an older couple, and God has a calling for them to be a father of nations. And, and two nations would come out, but, uh, you know, it's really about the people of God, the Israel and the Old Testament would come from them. So he, father of multitudes. So he looks at them and says, hey, look, I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham. Abraham means father of multitudes. And he looks at Sarai and he says, I'm going to change your name to Sarah. Both means princess, but Sarah is princess with a much bigger scope. Because he says, you'll be a mother of nations. And they're an older couple without kids who've always wanted kids. And they're like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how that's going to happen. But guess what? It happened. And they grew into their name and they lived into their new name and new purpose and new identity. They had a grandson named Jacob. Uh, Jacob, that name means grasper. And he was a twin. He literally came out of the womb grasping onto the heel of Esau. And through his life, he was a manipulator. He was a conniver. He grasped for things that weren't his. He figured if I'm going to get stuff in life, I better get it. And so he was uh, not a good guy. He's a manipulator, all that conniver kind of guy. But then God wrestles with him literally god impacts his life and he changes his name to israel from which the nation is is called israel means god fights for us and what happened in jacob's life is he went from the one who was grasping fighting for himself to realize god is the one who fights my battles and i can trust him he began to grow into his name his new name Generations later, there was a leader in Israel named Gideon. Gideon was one of the leaders called a judge at the time, that was before kings. And he was a leader of Israel at a time of crisis, and God needed somebody with courage. And it would take a lot of courage, but Gideon, his label was pretty much Gideon the weenie. And he would have said, yep, that's me. I'm not bold. I'm not courageous. I, I don't want to. That's not. Uh -uh. And so God appears to him. And says, this is how he calls him, or how he names him. He says, Gideon, oh mighty warrior. And he'd be like, 
what Gideon are you talking about? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm Gideon the weenie. I'm not, I don't know what you're talking about. But God could see what he would become. And guess what? He grew into his name. He was a mighty warrior. Later, Jesus comes along. And he chooses the 12 disciples. Now, that's a big deal because those 12 would be, 11 would shake out. But those 12 would be the people that he's, hang, that he's handing the mission of God to on this planet that would form the church. And when he chooses these 12, he doesn't choose obvious candidates to be the kind of people that would have that level of responsibility to be world changers. He chooses very ordinary. A lot of people would even consider probably subordinary people. They weren't educated. They weren't. They didn't seem they didn't have a pedigree and all that. And some of them were fishermen, a group of them. And that's a cool part of the story because Jesus comes up to the fishermen as they're fishing. And he says, OK, so you're fishermen. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a fisherman. Some of you love to fish. In fact, there's somebody here tonight that loves to fish and gives me fresh fish, which is really nice. Uh, and I love eating fish. I just don't like fishing. And I've tried. I just don't have the patience for it. And, uh, and then they're slimy and kind of gross, right? And so just not, I, like I did fly fishing um, because I was doing this pastor retreat that I was there to encourage these to people. And I'd done it two years ago, and I didn't really like it. I did it again. I mean, beautiful fly fishing and the Wyoming, beautiful and all that. And I'm hooking, I hooked lots of things, just not fish. I hooked myself a lot. I hooked a guide. Of course, I hooked a lot of trees. I figured out how to hook a rock. I hooked, I hooked hats, just not fish. So I, it's just not, it's not my thing, okay? But, but they were fishermen as a living, which is a fine thing to be, right? And that, but Jesus comes and says, hey, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. It, it was a way of saying, you know what, come with, with me and you're going to change the world. And they would not have had the label in their mind, a world changer. But they grew into their name. And that was their story. And that's what God did with them. One of those fishermen was a guy named Simon. Simon is the most fun of all the disciples because his label would be Simon, the one who always puts his foot in his mouth. Simon would say things before he thought, thought it through. Do you know anybody like that? Um, yeah, I was, no, I'm not going to do that. Okay, so I was going to have you point this, but don't do that. So, um, you know, somebody who just is brash and out there, but fun, like life of the party kind of guy. He was, you know, but you never knew what he was going to say. He made a lot of big statements and had a hard time follow through, following through. And, but Jesus saw who he was going to be. And there's this incredible discussion about labels where Jesus says, how do you, how do people label me? How do you label me as his disciples? And Jesus had yet to teach, had yet to let people know that he wasn't just a rabbi, he wasn't just an amazing leader, that he was actually God and Abad, that he was God who took on humanity, who came here as the Savior of the world. This is when that comes out with the disciples in Matthew 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? He's talking about himself. So he's like, who do, what, what label do people give me? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, Others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? 
Now again, Jesus had not revealed this yet. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. That's his new name, Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. He didn't want everybody knowing that yet. But he looks at Simon and says, I'm going to give you a new name. Rock. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. Now that statement, there's whole books written about that statement. Lots of trees have lost their lives making paper for what that means. And, and you've got people who say, well, it's not Peter. It was actually the, the rock that the church would be built on is his pronouncement. Jesus and the idea of Jesus being the son of God, who's the savior of the world. And, or other people say, no, it was Peter. And then you have the, you know, like the Catholic church that, and then the popes. And there's always one of these people and all that. And the truth is, I think there's layers of meaning here. It's the way rabbis taught. So I think it, it was the pronouncement, but it was also Peter. I mean, he would be a rock. He would be the key leader of the early church. But before he was a rock, he was pretty rocky. Before he was unshakable, he was pretty shaky. Like, he denies Jesus, you know, three times when Jesus is arrested. And then Jesus reinstates him. But guess what? He grows into his name. And when the Holy Spirit comes on the church in this dramatic way, he's the one that lets people know. And 3,000 people in that one moment come to know Jesus. And he becomes the rock the key leader that the church needed. Well, then you have another guy who comes on the scene, Saul. Saul of Tarsus. Saul was a fiery Pharisee, a Jewish leader who, who hated this new Jesus movement because he thought it was heresy. He thought it was blasphemy. And so he was very intent to stamp Christianity out before it could really get big. And it was growing and it scared him. And so he launches this Huge persecution that kills people just for being Christians, that imprisons people. People have to leave, run for their lives, they have to leave their livelihoods, leave their homes, leave their jobs. Huge disruption for the church. But then something happens. Jesus appears to him, literally knocks him on his rear end, and he sees the resurrected Jesus. And if you saw the resurrected Jesus and you're not a believer, you'd become one. And he became one. And at that moment... What does God do? He changes his name from Saul to Paul. Because with a new name comes a new identity. With a new name comes a new purpose. With a new name comes a new future. And he lets him know, you will be the one who will take the good news to the Gentiles, to those who don't know Jesus all around the world. That he would go from being Saul, the persecutor of the church, to Paul, the greatest missionary and theologian that the church has ever had. Nobody would have seen that coming. But he lived in and grew into his name. Paul has a protege, a guy named Timothy. Timothy was a young guy, a, a, a leader um, a, a, with leadership gifts and teaching gifts. Paul is passing the baton of his ministry to Timothy. Paul could see that. But everybody else didn't see that. Everybody else saw this young guy. 
And that was his label, Timothy the young guy. Too young to lead significantly, too young to teach deeply. He was the kid. But Paul says to him, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Don't let that label define you. But set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body, when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. It's like, hey, don't get stuck as a young guy. Don't hold back waiting to get older. You're gifted now and you grow now and you develop and you show people as you, as you lead and as you teach that God is at work in your life. And that was a key thing that Todd, that I talked about earlier, impressed on me going into high school was this passage. This passage became a big passage in my life. Hey, don't wait around waiting to get older. You serve God now. And for those of you who are teenagers, if you're junior high, even if you're younger than that, but junior high, high school, college student, don't label yourself as just the young person who one day I'll get serious about God or one day God will use me. God wants to use you now. And he's placed you where he's placed you now. In your home, in your neighborhood, on your team, in your school, wherever. He wants to use you now. And go for it. And as a church, we want to do everything we can to help make that happen. In fact, I was so encouraged this summer. Uh, this picture that is, is a group of interns, summer interns. People who have grown up in our church who think, hey, man, maybe ministry is something that God has for me. Whether it's full time or not, I just want to serve God with my life. And we have a, a paid internship in the summer to give people uh, just a little taste of what ministry is like. And I'm telling you. If you're worried about the future, if you hung out with that group, you wouldn't be anymore. And one of the wonderful things you see, I mean, we're, talk, we're doing this rebranding Christianity stuff, and I know the emerging generations kind of, by, by and large, you know, disaffected by church. But at the same time, God is also raising up a generation of young Christians. And I believe, I believe our best days are ahead in American Christianity. And it's people like that. that, that and, and let me just encourage you. To, to, if you're in that age group, to dive in. And if, you're, and if you're older than that age group, do everything you can to encourage the next generation. But Timothy lived into his new name, not as the young guy, but as the gifted leader. I saved my favorite, though, till last in this survey. And it goes back to the Old Testament. And it's a lady, a lady named Rahab. And if you know the Bible, you may know what her label was. She was Rahab the prostitute. That was her label. And when you see her in the Bible, that's her label. That's what everybody called her in her day. She was Rahab the prostitute. She lived in Jericho, the city-state that was opposed to the people of God and, and was war, decided to go to war against the people of God. And she's a prostitute in that city and she hears stories about God and what God has done. And even in a pagan environment, she is the first person in the land who was already there who becomes a Christian. Or not a Christian at the time, but a believer in the Old Testament way. God reaches into her life. God does something. In fact, it says her heart melts. 
but God does something in her life. And he pulls her into to relationship with him. And she helps the people of God defeat her own people. And then she's assimilated into the people of God. And Rahab, the former prostitute, that's her old label. She develops and God has a new label for her. It's really cool seeing what happened in her life. She marries a guy named Salmon, who obviously liked fish a lot. I, I don't know. But uh, his name was Salmon. And they were married. And they had a family, including a son named Boaz. Now, if you know the Old Testament book of Ruth, I know most of you don't, but read it. It's a cool book. But he's the one that Ruth marries. And that's a big deal because Boaz was a very godly person in an era when there weren't many godly people. And he was a godly young man. And how did he, how was he a godly young man? My guess is because he had godly mom and dad. And Salmon and Rahab, Rahab has a new name, a new identity, not just Rahab the prostitute. She became Rahab the godly mom. And for some of you who are parents, that, that label may seem pretty like a reach. Like you know godly, like you may be a dad and you know godly dads. You know mom, and mom you're a mom and you know godly moms. Did you feel I'm never going to be that? That's who God wants you to be and he will empower you and he will help you and you can live into that new name. You can be a godly mom, you can be a godly dad. You're not going to be perfect, but you can be a godly mom, godly dad as you take steps in your relationship with God and we'll help you. We'll help you on parenting and everything. But, but who would have ever thought that Rahab the prostitute would be Rahab the godly mom? But that's who she was. Well, Boaz and Ruth get married. They have a son named Jesse who has a son named David who becomes, who's King David. If you go 30 generations more, you know who you get to? Jesus. It's amazing to me that God puts Rahab the prostitute in the family line of Jesus. And he makes a big deal about it in the genealogies because he wants to make a point. That whatever your label is, it's just... Who cares about that? What matters is what God labels us, what God says. And he pulls Rahab the prostitute into the family line of Jesus and honors her that way. Not only that, in Hebrews 11, we see her come up again. Hebrews 11 is a cool passage in the New Testament. It's like the hall of fame of faith. Of people in the Old Testament era that are like the big people of faith. And it's a short list. There's not many people in the list. But guess who shows up on the list? Rahab the prostitute as a person of great faith because her new label was also Rahab the faithful as she lived into her name. And what God wants for you is to move past whatever labels people have labeled you, whatever you've labeled you. That's, that's just the old you. God's doing something new. He wants to give you a new name and to live into that the new identity, new purpose, new future. And, and it takes some time. Um, I mean, for me, the goofy thing. I mean, you thought by now that would be way in the past. It is in the past. And I, and I don't see myself as, as goofy or whatever, but sometimes I do. And here's what I mean. So over the last years, more people have reached out to me to, to write 
to speak in broader environments, to be the resource person for other pastors, to do that kind of... And there's a, a part of me that knows, yeah, I've developed over the years, I've, I've developed, I'm sure, you know, yeah, I've developed wisdom, I can be helpful, I can encourage, but there's another part of me, the insecure part of me, and people can see it as humility, and there's a little bit of humility probably, but it's also a lot of insecurity that just is that goes back to Goofy, of thinking, who cares what I think? Like, does anybody even care? Like, if I show up and I... You know, or people are like, oh, with the book, I want to sign your book. You know, I'm like, does anybody really care if I sign it? Like, I don't, it's, it's, it's hard for me to understand that. But that's reality. That's true. My, it's that, that's, my label is not that. My label is, hey, you're a gifted leader with something to say, and God is using you and has used you in significant ways and wants to do so even more. That's reality. But I can still get hung up with old labels. And I have to remind myself, you know what? That's not that's not me. That's me. Because that's what God says about me. I want you to identify an old label. And so when you, when you came in, you got one of these. And, and sometime over the next minute, and it may, you may not be able to do it in this service. It may take a little bit longer this week. But I want you to write down, not, not the old thing. I want you to write down a new thing. And I'm going to give you some help. I'm going to give you some options just to get us thinking. Like, here's how God sees me. And I'm going to claim it. And I'm going to live into it. And here's some of the things that the New Testament says about you if you know Jesus Christ, if you have a relationship with him. And if you don't, you can. But here's what God says about you as a, as a believer. Child of God is one. Uh, we're... And by the way, Ephesians 5.1 says, adds color to it. It says, as dearly loved children. You're not just the child of God that, because you can believe that. You're not the child of God that he never talks about. That he turns the picture upside down. Hey, you're, you're a dearly loved child of God. When he, when he thinks of you, he smiles. Saint means perfect one. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? But in God's eyes we are because of what Jesus has done. He's already made us a new person and at the same time he's catching us up to our name. But he sees you as saint, perfect. Priest, minister are both things that we're called. That he's placed you where he's placed you. To, as a priest, as a minister, he wants to use you to help others know him and to serve and to love people. Ambassador, you're his representative Sent one. You're not just here. You've been sent here with a mission. Beloved. Forgiven. Set free. Approved. Qualified. Equipped. Gifted. Chosen. Adopted. Masterpiece. You know you're called that? Favored. Indwelled. Assigned. Accepted. Transformed. Friend. God calls you friend. New. Overcomer. Held. You're not just not alone. God says he's holding you in his hands. You are held. I don't know what label you need to hear right now to live into. But I'm going to pray that God will inspire you, will we'll speak into your heart and that you can live into that new name.
that you can live into that label, that you can see yourself the way God sees you. Because what God says is, I'm going to give you a new name by my own voice. So I'm, what we're going to do is a little bit different than we normally do. Normally right now I'd have us pray and, and I would walk us through prayer. This time our worship team's going to come and they're going to sing a song. And during this song, I want you to pray. I want you to just talk to God and say, God, would you whisper to me? Would you speak to me? What label? What do you need? What do you want to say to me? What, what, is, what is my identity, the part of my identity that I need to claim, that I need to live into? In the song, if you're familiar with Christian stuff, you may be as, as a Lauren Daigle song, you say. It's a very powerful song. That's just all about how we can, instead of listening to ourselves and how we think about ourselves or other people think about us, just to say, hey, I want to think about, I, I, want, I, I want what you think to be what you say about me to be what I think about me. And so during these moments, during this song, just please be just really prayerful and ask God, God, would you speak over me a new name that I can live into so that I can see myself the way you see me?